I want you to open your Bibles today to uh, the book of Daniel. Let me just tell you how we got to here. We're doing a study through the gospel of Mark. And we'd come to the place in Mark where Jesus begins to talk about the second coming. He's talking about the return of Christ and the coming of the kingdom of God. And uh, so then we moved back into the book of Daniel, and we saw some things in Daniel that kind of <clears throat> prophesied, prefigured the coming of Christ. And now we're going to, uh, to look at what I consider four of the most amazing verses in the Bible, Daniel chapter uh, 9, and we'll begin reading in, uh, uh, I think it's about, well, it's toward the end. It's the last four verses in that uh, what has happened you might, you might remember that Daniel was taken when he was just a young boy, just uh, maybe a teenage boy. He was taken by the Babylonians when the Babylonians invaded Israel, and he was carried away to Babylon as a captive. And he was there for many, many years. He served in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar as a faithful, loyal uh, a believer in God who refused to compromise and God honored him and blessed him. And then when Nebuchadnezzar's reign, uh, when Babylon's uh, uh, kingdom was conquered by the Persians, uh, Daniel continued to serve. And he served in the court of the king of Persia for a while. And so he's reading his Bible one day, reading the book of Jeremiah. And he's asking the question, how long are the people of God going to be in exile? How long will we be away from our land, away from uh, from the, the city of Jerusalem, and he discovers in the book of Jeremiah that Jeremiah said it would be 70 years. So he begins to count and realizes that that 70 years is almost up, and so it's not going to be long until the people of, of God in Babylon are going to be released to go back to the land. And so he comes, uh, as he reads that, he begins to pray. He prays this marvelous prayer of confession and repentance in chapter 9. And then he comes to the very end of that book. And he says, Seven, the, Gabriel, the, the angel Gabriel, comes to him and gives him this message. And so this is a word spoken directly from God through an angel, the angel Gabriel, to Daniel, the beloved prophet of God. And he says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people. Now, who would be Daniel's people? Who are Daniel's people? It's the Jewish people. That's right. You can go ahead and say it. It's the Jewish people. He says, 70 weeks. Now, let me just say something here. The, the word for weeks is actually not in the Hebrew. It's the word heptad. It's the word that means 70 sevens. And uh, all scholars, all Bible scholars realize that he's talking here about 70 groups of seven years. So it's 490 years is what he's talking about. So 490 years, 70 sevens or 70 weeks are decreed about your people who are the Jews and your holy city, which is Jerusalem. And he says these 70 weeks, these 77, 490 years have been decreed from heaven by God. And when that 490 years are up, there will be an, it will finish the transgression, will put an end to sin and atone for iniquity and bring in everlasting righteousness 
and seal both the vision and the prophet and anoint a most holy place. So he says 490 years from a certain day, once this 490 years starts, then he says at the end of that 490 years, it's all going to be over. Uh, Sin will be finished. Uh, uh, Transgression will be ended. The uh, most holy place will be anointed. All the vision of the prophets will be fulfilled. The kingdom will come. It's pretty amazing in 490 years. So he goes to the next, and this is going to call for a little bit of thinking here. In fact, I may need some help from our math teacher up here. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. So seven sevens, that's how many years? Forty-nine years. Okay. Then for 62 weeks, the city will be rebuilt and the squares and the moat in trouble time. So how much is 62 weeks? 62 times 7 is 434. Okay, that's good. I, uh, the, the 7 times 7 was a little easier than the 7 times 62. And uh, so he says this... This 490 years is going to be broken up into three segments. He said it's going to start from the day that the command is given to go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. We know, by the way, exactly when that was. Uh, In the book of Nehemiah, we're told that uh, Artaxerxes, the king, in 445 B.C., issued a decree that the Jews could go back to Jerusalem. And, in fact, we actually know the exact Date. It was in like uh, April the 21st or something like that. You can look it up in a Bible dictionary. But from that day, he says the 490 years start. So God starts his clock ticking, 490 years. At the end of 49 years, he said there's 49 years that uh, seven weeks says there will be... Uh, uh, they will restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And we know from the Scripture that it, it took 49 years for them to restore the, the uh, city, build the walls, and rebuild the temple. And then there are 62 weeks, 62 years. How many years did we say that was? 62 weeks, 434 years. And he said at the end of that 434 years, the prince, this is the Messiah, will come and uh, present himself to the Jewish people. And then, uh, and then the people, let's see that next verse, and after the 62 weeks, so this is actually at the end of 69 weeks, because you've got seven weeks plus the 62 weeks, at the end of that period of time, an anointed one shall be cut off, By the way, he's talking about Jesus here. The anointed one is the Messiah. That word anointed one means Messiah. The Messiah will be cut off and shall have nothing. That is, uh, he will not have appeared to have accomplished what the Messiah was thought to accomplish. And the people of the prince who is to come, and of course, we've already talked about the prince who is to come back in earlier chapters And we said this prince who is to come 
is the Antichrist. He's the one that's clearly defined for us, especially in the book of Revelation. And the people of the prince who's to come are the Roman people, the people of Rome. And so he says that the, uh, the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And that did happen, by the way. In 70 A.D., the city was destroyed, the temple was torn down, and its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war, and desolations are decreed. And then the next verse is very interesting. And he, now who do you think that he is here? This is the prince who is to come. So this is the Antichrist he's talking about. He shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. That is for the last seven years. And for half of the week, he will put an end. uh, Actually, in the middle of the week, he will put an end to the sacrifice and the offering. And on the wing of abominations or the desolation that is to come... He shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolation, on the desolator. So that's all simple enough, right? Everybody got all that? So we could just quit now and go home, right? Okay, well, let's see if we can make some sense out of it. Daniel says God has shown him that there are 70 periods of seven years each. And we, and. And when, when you look at this over a long period of time, and by this is all concerning the Jewish people. And did you know that the devil hates the Jewish race? Did you know that? And when I meet somebody today and they are anti-Semitic, they hate Israel, they're anti-Jewish, I like to tell them, well, you and the devil have something in common. Because the devil hates the Jewish people too. He has always hated Israel. He has done everything that he could all along the way to try to destroy the Jewish race. And I mean even as late as uh, the Holocaust and even today. I tell you, if you look at the rulings of the United Nations Security Council, you'll find that every ruling... They don't consider any other nation a terrorist nation except Israel. It's just amazing. They hate Israel. And that's one reason that I love Israel is because Satan hates Israel. But I want to tell you, God has always purposed to work through the Jewish people. It is through the Jews that the law came. It is through the Jews that the prophets came. It is through the Jews that the Messiah came. It is through the Jews that the apostles came. And it is through the Jews that the gospel came first to the Jews and then they set it aside. They just, they rejected it. And then God put a parenthesis in history and he says, all right, 483 weeks have passed and now I put a parenthesis here and for the next 2,000 years or so, I'm going to be working with the Gentile nations to draw out a bride for my son, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And someday the parentheses is going to close. And when that happens, the last seven years 
are going to start again. It's almost like the pendulum was swinging, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. And at the day that Jesus was crucified, it's like God grabbed the pendulum and just stopped it. And he says, now I'm going to hold this pendulum right here until the church, until the time of the Gentiles is fully come. And once the church is in, I'm going to blow a trumpet and the church will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And when that happens, I'm going to release the pendulum and the last seven years begin to tick again. Isn't that amazing? And listen, all through the New Testament, whether it's First and Second Thessalonians, the book of Revelation, or, or everywhere you read, this is consistent with the Scripture that God has been working with the Jewish people, and, and he seems to do it in groups of 490 years. From the, from the calling of Abraham, if you were to say right here, is when God called Abraham, and you go forward in time until the day that uh, the children of Israel entered the land of Canaan. From the time of Abraham to Joshua, if you figure it in the Bible, it's 490 years. Isn't that interesting? And from the time of Joshua until the time of Saul, where the kingdom, uh, the, the, uh, where Israel actually became a kingdom, 490 years. From the time of Saul to the exile, it's 490 years. That's just amazing to me. And God says, now there's another 490 years that I've decreed. And the first 69 sevens of those, the first 483 years is going to be the time when the city is going to be rebuilt and there will be war and troublesome time, desolation, and the Messiah is going to come. And he's going to be cut off. He's going to die. And when he does, that 490 years stops right there at the 483rd year. And then... There's a, a period of time, and there's one final week coming, one final seven-year period of time coming. And once that, and, and we're kind of on hold right now for that. And when you read the book of Revelation, you're going to find in chapters 2 and 3, it talks about the church, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, John said, and I heard a voice that said, come up here. And you never hear the church mentioned again after that because the church is gone. The rapture, the church takes place. You familiar with the rapture? You know what the word rapture means? It means to be caught away, to be taken up, to be uh, uh, just transported into the presence of the Lord. And I believe that the Bible teaches, and I know there are people who would disagree with this and have other perspectives on it, but I believe that the Bible teaches that there is coming a day when the last Gentile, the last non-Jewish person, will come to faith in Christ. And we don't know when that will be. It could be today. And when the, last, when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, then the Bible says that Christ is going to come in the air and we will be caught up to meet 
him in the air. Those who have died in Christ, they will be raised, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, they will be raised incorruptible. And those of us who are alive and remain, there will be some people living when Jesus comes back to catch his church away, and we will suddenly be changed. Now, as to how that's going to happen, whether little piles of clothes are going to be left, I don't know. I've seen some movies. You've seen some movies where the rapture takes place and there's little piles of clothes. I saw one where all the clothes were neatly folded. I don't know how they figured that, you know. I think if I were to just be raptured out of my clothes, they probably wouldn't be neatly folded. Mine aren't usually neatly folded anyway if I'm doing them. They'd just put little piles of clothes, my glasses, everything be left behind. But we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's just an amazing thing. Now, back in the, in the 70s, there was a book written by Hal Lindsey called The Late Great Planet Earth that kind of really opened my eyes to this whole concept of the rapture of the church. I had grown up kind of just thinking that Jesus was coming back someday, and that was all I thought about it. But then I read that book and began to read other books and the Ryrie Study Bible and others and hear Dr. Adrian Rogers and Dr. Criswell and different ones preaching about. I thought, well, how have I missed this all these years? And yes, I believe that the day is coming when the church will be called away. Now, when that happens and the last seven years begin, the focus is going to be on Israel. And that's really what the book of Revelation is about. You begin reading in chapter 4 of Revelation and read through the rest of the book of Revelation, you find the last seven years of human history uh, in God's dealing with the Jewish people. And he says that at the beginning of that seven years, some person, some man, some world ruler, some world leader is going to rise to power, prominence, and he will be revered by so many people, and not everybody, but he will become kind of the Adolf Hitler of the whole world. And he will have such authority, such power, and aided by a false prophet, who I take to be some kind of religious leader, that politics and religion, state and, and church are going to merge in such a way that this man will have such power and he will make an agreement, a strong covenant, the Bible says, with the nation of Israel and will probably, I think, allow them to rebuild their temple. And incidentally, uh, if you just keep up with prophecy news today, Brother John I know does, uh, that the Jews are ready to rebuild their temple. They, they have already gathered the materials together. They already have all the utensils built, ready. And they are ready to rebuild their temple. But they just have to have some kind of settlement, some kind of agreement, some kind of protection from someone strong enough to enforce peace in the Middle East. And the Bible teaches that this man will do that. He will be able to establish a covenant, strong covenant, with the Jewish people. And, and for three and a half years, everything will go well. They will rebuild their temple, and all will just uh, seem wonderful. There will be at least an enforced peace in the Middle East. And again, I don't know how in the world that will come about, but certainly... 
possible. And then in the middle of the week, that is after three and a half years, this man, this Antichrist, will actually enter the temple, the new temple in Jerusalem, and he will establish himself as God. And he possibly will set up a, maybe an image of himself. Or maybe it'll be a visual image. Maybe it'll be a, a, a electronic image. But he will set up an image of himself, and he will require that the whole world give him worship. And if they refuse to worship him, they will be, uh, they will be executed. Persecuted first, and then executed. And then he will make war on the Jewish people, who by this time, uh, a great, great number of them will have trusted in Jesus as their Messiah. And he will begin to uh, inflict horrible, horrible persecutions. Jesus said, this again over in the Gospel of Matthew, that when you see the abomination of desolation spoken out in the book of Daniel set up in the temple, get out of town, flee, flee, uh, get, get away, because the great persecution was begun. And I don't have time to go through the whole book of Revelation, of course, but near the end of the book of Revelation, <clears throat> as uh, it looks like the Antichrist and his forces are, are winning, and they've marshaled their armies together around the Jewish people at the place called Armageddon. And when that battle looks hopeless, Jesus said to the Jewish people lift up your eyes because your redemption draweth nigh and Christ himself will come defeat the enemies and establish his kingdom now uh, they, these verses written 2500 years ago 2500 years ago and foreseeing the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem which happened in 49 years, and then foreseeing the next 434 years that terminate with the coming of the Messiah who would be cut off, crucified, and then everything stops. And for 2,000 years, Jesus has been drawing his church, calling his church, calling his bride. But the day will come when his bride will be completed and will be taken away. And I've told you a few weeks ago how in the Jewish wedding ceremony, the Jewish wedding uh, uh, custom, how that the bride would make herself ready, not knowing exactly when the groom would come, but on a particular night, determined not by the bride, but determined by the groom and the groom's father. The groom would come, and there would be a shout that would go forth, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, and a trumpet blast would sound, and the groom would rush in and swoop away his excited bride and take her back to his father's house, and there they would uh, be married. And that's the picture that is described here. And someday, someday, I'm just telling you, someday, Jesus is coming for his church. And then... There will be seven more years here on earth that you do not want to be here for. The Bible refers to it as the time of Jacob's trouble. It refers to it as the tribulation or the great tribulation. 
And during that period of time, with Antichrist at the helm and the false prophet uh, helping direct the religious observances of worship toward the Antichrist, anyone who refuses to receive the mark and of allegiance to the Antichrist will be unable to buy or sell or get a job and many, many will die. And during that period of time, not only will be the wrath of the Antichrist, but also during that, especially the last three and a half years, there will also be the wrath of God being poured out on this, uh, on this world. So you don't want to be here during that time. So here, here's, here's my closing uh, admonition today. First of all, have confidence in the word of God and the God of the word. I tell you, you can believe what God says. And when 2,500 years ago, God gave this clear picture of what was to come. And, and following it with 490 years here, 490 years here, 490 years here, and then another final 490 years with seven and 62 of them already passed and the final seven still yet to come. And he, so you can have confidence in the word of God confidence in the word of God and uh, I was telling in our Sunday school class today the uh, when people refuse to believe the Bible their whole life just goes off in any direction every direction if we don't have something to anchor to if we don't have something to say this is true thy word is truth I can anchor my life in this. I know this is true. Then we have, we're, we're like a, a, a person that is untethered. I watched a science fiction movie one time where a person was out doing some kind of uh, outside this uh, rocket ship in space and somehow or another the tether that held them to the, was cut and they just drifted off into Space. You remember seeing that movie? I think it was 2001, A Space Odyssey or something like that. And uh, and I thought when I saw that, I thought a lot of things. I thought I sure would hate to be that guy, but, but I also thought, you know, that's kind of how it is with people who who cut the cord of the truth of the Word of God. They have nothing to anchor to, and they just go off in every direction and are destroyed. So have confidence in the word of God. And then secondly, if, this is silly to say, I started to say if you're alive right now, of course, obviously you are, all of you are. But uh, since you're alive right now, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day to trust Jesus. If you haven't already put your trust in him, this is the time to do it. Don't wait. You know, some people say, well, I'll wait, and then if the rapture takes place, and then I enter into the tribulation, then I'll trust Jesus. No, you really won't. And I I, I don't believe you'll be saved after the rapture if you know that the rapture is coming. I believe that God himself will see to it that you don't believe if you refuse to believe while you can believe. And, And then the third takeaway for me, is to love Israel, to, to love Israel. Uh, 
I know Israel's not perfect. They make some decisions that, that are not, not right, maybe. They don't do everything right. But they are God's people. Listen, uh, listen to this passage over in uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 37. I've had people say, well, I think that God has set Israel aside. I don't think they are his people any longer. Listen, this is God speaking through Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now he's talking about Israel here. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. He said, this is what I'm saying. This is what the Lord says. The one who, who set the stars in the sky and the moon and the sun, if this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. You want to destroy Israel? You want to see Israel destroyed? Then all you have to do is go up into the sky and destroy all the stars Destroy the sun, destroy the moon, destroy all that's in the fixed order. And then God says, if that happens, then I'll set aside my people forever. And I'm telling you, God still loves Israel. He made a solemn covenant with Abraham. He renewed it with Isaac. He renewed it with Jacob. He renewed it with Judah. He renewed it with Moses, he renewed it with David, and he says, as long as the sun shines and the moon shines and the stars exist, I will have a special love relationship for the descendants of Abraham. And I believe that today God still loves his ancient people. And I think we should pray for Israel. We should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We should pray that God will redeem his people, his ancient people, Israel. When Jesus talked about the great uh, separation of the sheep and the goats, the nations of the world, he says those nations that were kind to Israel, he says, As you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And those who persecuted Israel, 
and rejected Israel. He said, those who refused to be kind to my people, my brethren, you will go into judgment. So I pray, I pray that our nation will always support Israel. I pray that our government, our leaders, will always be kind and positive toward Israel. And I pray for the day when Israel will come to Christ. The Apostle Paul prayed in Romans chapter 9. He said, I have a great burden in my heart for my people according to the flesh, my kinsmen according to the flesh, that is the Jewish people. He said, I could almost wish my own self accursed if they could all be saved. And then he explains in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 that there is coming a day when Israel will turn their hearts. God will turn their hearts to trust in him. So my final, final word is that the God who orders the end from the beginning and knows the future from before it even started in the past, that same God knows everything about you and about me. He understands your struggles. He understands your weakness. He understands your testings. And he has a purpose. And he is working just as surely as he's working to bring the kingdom ultimately to this earth. He's working to bring his kingdom in our heart right now. Now, if you have any questions about this, come back tonight, and we'll try to answer some of those. I know I've tried to cover way, way too much in one message today. But if you have some questions, specific questions, come back tonight, and me or Brother John want to answer them for you, okay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have loved Israel with an everlasting love all through the Old Testament we see the, your, your confirming love to Israel and if I believed that you broke your promise to Israel I would tremble in fear that you might break your promise to me but because I know that you cannot lie and you cannot and will not break covenant I'm confident that the new covenant that you've made with me through the blood of Jesus stands forever and that your purpose will stand and I pray that you'll help us today to love you to love your people to love your church and to love the lost and share the good news with them in Jesus name Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.